since I told you about this wonderful book by Kim Book, uh, I didn't show it to you, so now I'm showing it to you. There actually is a book that exists. And also it gives me the chance to say that I read it, and it is one of the most amazing books I've read, and I'll be talking about books in a minute. Uh, but this is uh, a quite a journey that she shares with us. So I encourage you to, to find it outside and, uh, and to have a chance to meet Kim as well. Our scripture this morning is taken from Acts chapter 9, beginning at the first verse. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he answered, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. And at this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before the Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house, and he laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. And then he got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. And for several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus for we pray this in his name. Amen. So speaking about books, recently I was asked the question about my, my top five favorite books, and it led me into this mental survey of what I've read over my lifetime to discern what books have most stuck with me, which set of pages has made the most indelible impression upon me. A lot of books have made it onto the, my list of top five, and a lot of books have fallen off of my list of top five because it really is the test of time and the slow accumulation of experience that distills the words and the stories we read and leaves what we believe to be the canon of wisdom. Well, one book I can't seem to shake off my list is one that maybe many of you include on your list, and that is the novel To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. You've heard me before reference this story. I read it early in my reading life, and the imprint Harper Lee's characters made on me then, the passing of time has not seemed to fade or erase in the least. In fact, in my rereading it a million times, their impression has dug deeper. They rival for me even some of the great characters of the Bible. Not quite, but close. 
Atticus Finch, of course, Scout and Jem, Boo Radley, Tom Robinson, Hectate, the list goes on. And I suppose one of the things I find most compelling about the characters, these characters, as maybe do many of you, is that in the unfolding months of the story, many of the characters are presented with some type of choice, some disturbance of conscience, some fork in the road between easy and hard, right and wrong, defending or not defending a condemned yet innocent man, befriending or not befriending the social outcast, overcoming or not overcoming deep-seated racism. It seems that with almost every page, more of these characters are struggling with what road they have to take. One of the characters, a Mrs. DuBose, an old cantankerous widow who was riddled with pain and prone to fits, turns out also to be an addict, a morphine addict. But in her last chapter of life, she decides that she wants to be free of it, free of her addiction. And valiantly, she turns to this perilous road of struggle and withdrawal and freedom and spends the remaining time of her life escaping the monster of morphine. When Jem asked Atticus about why he wanted him to meet her and know her and why she was such a mean and cantankerous old lady, Atticus says this, I wanted you to see what real courage is, instead of getting the idea that courage is a man with a gun in his hand. It's when you know you're licked before you begin, but you begin anyway, and you see it through no matter what. You rarely win, but sometimes you do. Mrs. DeBose won all 98 pounds of her. She was the bravest person I ever knew. I suppose it would be safe to say that life has its way of presenting us with things that we know need to be done, but we don't want to do. Life has its way of leading us to avenues down which we don't necessarily wish to proceed, yet we know that there is no other right way to go. In the tumultuous years following the Civil War, a movement was afoot in Congress to impeach Abraham Lincoln's successor, Andrew Johnson. Articles had been drafted in the House and tri a trial commenced in the Senate. When it came time to vote on the verdict, the pre-polling of the senators determined that they were one vote shy of conviction. One undecided vote remained, one of Edmund Ross from the state of Kansas. The fate of the president from the opposite party was in his hands. But Ross knew what he had to do. He had to vote against his party and for the president because he knew it was constitutionally the right thing to do. And yet he also knew the consequence, the end likely of his political career. Later, Ross wrote, it was a tremendous responsibility, and it was not strange that he, upon whom it had been imposed by a fateful combination of conditions, should have sought to avoid it, to put it away from him as one shuns or tries to fight off a nightmare. I almost literally looked down into my open grave. Ross voted his conscience 
and lost his seat. Sometimes we don't choose the road. Sometimes the road chooses us. I suppose that's what could surely be said of the man that we met in the ten verses we just read from the Acts of the Apostles, Ananias. Little do we know of Ananias, just that he was one of the early followers of Jesus living in Damascus, and the rumor had gotten out that the feared enemy of the early Christian community, Saul of Tarsus, had come to town in his mission to prosecute, convict, and execute the heretic followers of this supposed resurrected Christ. If you were an early Christian and you had any sense about you, you knew that it was time to go into hiding. You, bar, you went into your homes, you barred the doors, and you waited out the Inquisition. Best to stay on the safe and easy street. Not that hiding in fear is easy street, but it sure beat the alternative. But then came this vision. The vision of the Lord tells Ananias to go down the street called Straight. Because somewhere down the Straight Street, Saul of Tarsus is staying. And Saul needs help. Saul needs healing. Saul needs to see again. And that's when Ananias reminds the Lord, as if the Lord needs reminding, that down Straight Street was the mortal enemy. Down Straight Street was a battle he wasn't going to win. Down Straight Street was his open grave. And God says... Go! And Scripture says, Ananias went. Ananias went, not knowing what was going to happen. Ananias went, not choosing the road, but with the road choosing him. Was it a trap? Was this vision he had the night before found in a bad piece of lamb he had? Was this the most stupid thing he could think to do? Ananias went. Because sometimes the road chooses you. you know, it seems to be one of the repeated themes of the Bible, and it seems to be one of the repeated themes of a meaningful life. Traversing the roads we don't want to go down, but that we know we have to go down. Remember when Jesus pulls Peter aside after the resurrection and Jesus says to him, you know, when you were young, you used to go wherever you wanted. You, you picked whatever road pleased you. But there will come a time when the road chooses you. There will come a time when circumstances conspire and you will proceed down a road, not of your own choosing, but one you know you have to travel. Saul of Tarsus becomes Paul the Apostle, and time and time again, he continues to come up to a fork in the road, and he knows that the hard road is the road that's choosing him. And down he goes over and over again, and the adventure follows. Jesus, for heaven's sake, starts down the road to the cross and pulls off into the Garden of Gethsemane and says, you know, Lord, there's, 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 there's got to be a better road than this. There's got to be an easier road. But events conspire, 
and there's only one road because sometimes the road chooses us. You know what I mean. It's the way life works. It's just what happens when God creates us with a conscience. It's just what happens when we realize the world rests upon the foundations of justice and mercy and goodness and truth. It's just what happens when we are embraced by the love of Christ. It's just what happens when we believe that God seeks to redeem all things, all people. We begin to see those times and those places where the hard road, the uncomfortable road, the challenging road, the straight street, it is this road that's calling our name. When we know there's something we have to do and we don't want to do it. Sometimes it's the unfair and the unfortunate road that calls our name. Circumstances conspire that put us on this difficult and suffering road and we have to walk it. Sometimes it's the road of conscience, the road that demands voices and deeds of clarity. Sometimes it's the road of love and friendship, walking down the road with someone who needs us to walk down the road with them. Sometimes it's the road of peace, to walk with grace and peace while all else are fighting. Sometimes it's the road to well-being. You've been heading the wrong direction. You've been not living a healthy life. You're drinking too much. You've been losing your temper. And the road to well-being is calling your name to choose you. Lots and lots of roads that call our name. Roads we don't necessarily choose for ourselves, but roads we know we have to travel. And here's the thing. For we who have been born with a conscience, we who know that the foundation of the world is justice and mercy and beauty and goodness, we who have been embraced by Jesus, we who believe that God is making all things new, the good news is, is that when that road chooses us, the suffering road or the justice road or the relationship road or the healing road or the forgiveness road, whichever road that calls our name, this is likely the path that God is seeking to use to redeem. God is seeking to renew. God is trying to bring about a new creation, a new creation not only for ourselves, but for those to whom we are sent. So Ananias doesn't want to go down straight street, but nevertheless, he goes down straight street. And at the end of straight street is the blind and mortal enemy. And Ananias puts his hands on him and prays for him and asks the loving arms of Jesus to surround him and asks that the scales fall from his eyes. And the man once blind is the man who now sees. Saul becomes Paul and the church is awakened and the wildfire of grace begins to spread. God is always trying to bring about a new creation. Yesterday, our dear sister Kim shared her story of the road that chose her, the road that she calls Fire Road, an undeserved and torturous road of unfairness and human evil. And yet, even on such wicked roads, God seeks to redeem. God seeks to make something new. 
God brings about a new creation. God heals body, mind, and soul. And through her hands, her feet, her words, her story, her wounds, others who were blind have now come to see. What humans have meant for evil, God has turned to good. God knows what road is calling your name. Maybe it's now, you're just now hearing it, or maybe you will hear it later. It will be a stand you have to take, a wound you have to heal, a friend you have to support, an injustice you have to rectify, an addiction you have to conquer, a suffering you have to redeem, a sin you have to forgive. It's the way life is. There are those things we know we have to do that we don't want to do. Sometimes we choose the road, and sometimes by God's grace, the road chooses us. And the Lord said to Ananias, get up and go to the street called Straight. And Ananias went.